Rambam for Thursday, Bez of Tafshim Pei, the second paddock of Yisraeli Atayra. So yesterday we learned the paddock that discussed the first three mitzvahs, Anoichi, Le'yelecha, and Hashem Lekeinu, Hashem Echad. And along the way, the Rambam took the opportunity to explain his whole approach to how we understand Hashem, and how we understand Hashem's oneness, and how Hashem doesn't have a body, and the things that happen to a body don't happen to, don't happen to Hashem. And in this paddock, we're going to continue to the following two mitzvahs. Uh, Ava and Yira, loving Hashem and fearing Hashem. Uh, this time the Ram is going to start off right away with the mitzvahs. And that will be sort of an introduction for him to launch into explaining other important yisaidas regarding Hashem. Because according to the Rambam, this is the aside of Av and Yira. Love Hashem and fear Hashem, we need to understand these additional ideas. So that will lead into that. Most of the parak is going to deal mainly with Malachim, things like that. At the end, we're going to talk a little bit about how Hashem's idea works, how Hashem's knowledge works. And all the way at the end, the Rambam is going to sum up and say, this is uh, what he calls Meiser Merkava. Let's start inside. Parak Sheni, Aleph, this God who's so so uh, so great, so honorable. So this is based on what we learned yesterday. You see how great God is. So mitzvah So there's an additional mitzvah to fear Him and to, to love Him and to fear Him. Shenemar it says in Devarim, v'ahafta es Hashem alekecha and Shema. You have to love Hashem. V'nemar regarding fear it says es Hashem alekecha tira. We have to fear Hashem as well. So right there we have the two mitzvahs. But what's the path? How do we how do we accomplish this? How do we achieve this? This is of course a very uh, fundamental question of Chassidus Chabad as well, especially in Chassidus Dal Terebe. But according to the Rambam, what's the answer? When a person contemplates and the wondrous and great acts and creations of Hashem, I'm looking at what Hashem did, he will be able to glean Hashem's wisdom, which has no value, it has no end, it's infinite. So when he contemplates all of that, he loves and he praises and he glorifies and he has a tremendous desire to know Hashem. Again, we have this leda, this idea to know Hashem. It says until him, and uh, perhaps in the Psukkim of the Torah of Ahavta, the word Ava has many levels, many levels in Ava. But here in this passing Katilim, you see the word Sama, it's a lot more of an evocative kind of uh, language. Clearly, we're talking about very deep feelings here. So that's where that fits in to what the Ramam is saying about this tremendous feeling that one can, one can evoke through focusing on this. <laughs> Continuation of Bezuk Shemachashev, Badvarim Ha'elu Atzman. So we just spoke about Ava, now he continues to Yira. So when you think about these very same things, there's no nothing else to do. Think about the very same things. It also has the effect of Yira, that a person recoils backwards. A person has a tremendous sense of fear. And he becomes aware that he's a very, thank you, very lowly uh, creature, uh, small, lowly, dim I met this bedas kalam uta standing with very very little knowledge, very very small mind. Lefnei tmim before Hashem, who has the the perfect knowledge, the perfect mind. Kavash Amar Dava, like it says in Tilim, ki ere shamecha 
So what's the Pasuk saying there? The Pasuk is saying that the David says, when I see your heavens, when I see my sets, what you have done, so then what kind of feeling does that evoke? What's a person bechlal? So it makes him, it makes him sort of feel like an, almost an existential crisis. What's, uh, where do humans even fit in compared to such greatness? So that's the sense of Yira as the Ram defines it. So now the Ram, like we said, uses this as a launching pad to get back into a discussion of Hashem and Hashem's creations, which all fit into the framework of Ava and Yira. So I'm going to explain some important fundamental rules about what Hashem, what Hashem does, what Hashem creates. So it could be an introduction for someone who understands to love Hashem. I just want to point out that there's a sikha from the Rebbe, look at the sikha in Chilakavav, Yisrael Aleph, where the Rebbe says that uh, if it was just a matter of explaining Avas Hashem and Yiras Hashem, either I'm Perak Beis, then I'm talks about uh, more about Malachim and things like that. Then in Perak Gil and Perak Dal, I'm just talking about nature, the rules of nature. The Rebbe says that Av and Yira would not be a sufficient reason to include all this in the Mishnah Torah and the Halachas. The Rebbe says, we have to say that this is also all included in the mitzvah and paragraph of Yudhiya Hashem, of knowing Hashem. And you see here, when Av, when Ram talks about Ava, he throws in that you have an Ava, Leida Hashem, to know Hashem. So it always leads back to Leida, to knowledge. And so, the Ramam is telling us these are all the, this is the minimum you need to know in order to say that you have your Diaz Hashem, that you know Hashem. But if it was just Ava Vayira, it could be in a different safe. So that's why we're going to go into all of this. And uh, the Ramam says, Pesach Lamaven. So it's important to emphasize that even though uh, this is uh, some, some deep stuff, but it's all a Pesach, it's all just sort of an intro. And again, at the end of the parak, then I'm just going to emphasize that this is all just a little bit of the subject. This is not, uh, if you uh, come out of a share from these two prakim, you're not considered a maven, you're not considered to be an expert, uh, to have a deep understanding of the subject. It means you've been introduced to the subject. This is all an introduction. La maven, la Hashem, someone who understands will be able to go further and truly achieve love of Hashem. And interesting here that Ramam just mentions Ava, doesn't mention Yira anymore. Perhaps that's the, the main thing, or, or Yira happens uh, sort of uh, on its own. Ramam focuses here on Ava. He says, Chachamim say regarding Ava, and uh, it seems that Ramam is quoting a Sifri. Ramam says, But from this you know, you get to know who created the world. Ramam seems to be quoting a Sifri. A sifri is a Medrash Halacha uh, on Bamidbar and Dvarim. And uh, I'll quote from there the way it's printed in our Sifri. It says, In Shema, that these, these words should be on your heart. So the question is, what is this Pasuk adding? So it says, It says, The Pasuk said, But I don't know how. What, what do I do? So the Sifri says, You gotta take these things that I'm telling you and, and take it to heart. Through this, you'll get to know Hashem and cleave to his ways. And that seems to be what the Ram is quoting here with the slight, Shinu. Uh, now, of course, everything we're going to discuss here, Chesidus has plenty to say. And, uh, we can say that generally, uh, 
there's a lot of parallels in the idea that uh, through his braininess, through contemplating the, the greatness of Hashem, Maisim Rekava, it leads to Ava and Yira, and it's a passionate Ava. But there are also some differences. Um, first of all, the way that Avam explains Hashem, the way uh, certain things that Avim, the way that Avim explains them might be a little different than the way it's explained in Kabbalah and Hasidus. Of course, certain things that Avam says, especially in this paragraph, are quoted a lot in Hasidus. Uh, number two, um, what the Ram calls in Paragimel and Paragdal of Maise Bereshis. Ram talks a lot about just the rules of nature, the laws of nature. Chassidus doesn't seem to uh, really talk about that. That doesn't seem to play a role in Av and Yir and Chassidus, thinking about nature. Sometimes sitting in nature could uh, be a starting point, but not to just focus, dwell on the laws of nature. Number three, uh, also the, how Chassidus uh, defines Av and Yir and how it, how it explains Av and Yir might be different in, in a bunch of details. But here we're just focusing straightforwardly on what the Ramam is going to say. So now we move on to the next section of the parak where it talks about Hashem's creations. And uh, like we said, the main emphasis here is really leading up to the concept of Malachim. Malach is Gimel through Ches, really. So the Ram says, Gimel, Everything that Hashem created can really be divided into three categories. So number one is things that have both a Goyalem and the Tzura, uh, the term is Gelem and Tzura, and later Svarim are more familiar to us as Chaymer uh, and Tzura. In English, that would be matter and form. And it's a, it's an idea from ancient philosophy where you can take each object and break it down. You look at the, the matter in the object, and then there's the form of the object. And together, the matter and the form together, we have a, an object. And that's, that can be helpful when you're discussing things so you can sort of uh, break it down into the various parts. Sometimes it makes things more complicated. You start uh, discussing what's the chaymer? How do you define the chaymer? What's the term? How do you define the tzura? So regarding a person, we also we use the concept of chaymer and tzura to say sort of for the body and the soul. That the body is a form of matter. And the neshama, the soul, is the form that gives the matter, that animates it until you have a, a live person in front of you. So that's his body and his soul, his matter and his form together. So, number one are the things that are that have both and they come into being and then they go out of being. You can, uh, things are created, things are destroyed, even within the rules of nature. So, for example, the body of a person, body of an animal, plants and uh, metals and the ground, that all belongs to that category. <clears throat> That's number one. Number two, mehen. Other creations that also have a gailam and a they also have matter and form, but what's different about them? But they don't uh, change form, they don't, uh, the, the material doesn't evolve from one thing into another thing like the first. But rather, the matter and the, the form the matter takes is set in place forever. They don't change like the others that we listed above. And what are we talking about here? We're talking about the Galgalim, the spheres that we mentioned already yesterday. We're going to mention a greater length in Paragimel, the idea that the, the planets are all uh, lodged in these spheres that are turning. And the Kechavim, the planets, the, the stars themselves. But this is a very important foundation in this system of understanding astronomy. It was understood that the... Uh, the planetary uh, bodies, the heavenly, the celestial bodies are not made out of the regular materials that the, the objects in this world are made out of. And they don't change. They stay exactly the same. And in Chazal, it, it sounds like also they're not like regular objects. 
Chazal might sound a bit more almost like Malachim, like they're just very special uh, creatures, they're conscious. We'll get into that, I think, uh, in future Prakim. Uh, today, uh, what you you know, whatever the common knowledge about uh, astronomy might be a bit different, but as usual, we're not getting into that. We're just going with what the Ramam says that the Galgalim and the Kechavim never change. So their matter isn't like regular matter, and their form isn't like other forms. But this is all, we're all building up towards the third category, which is we want to get to the Malachim. The third thing is we have creations that have just a form and no matter at all. Now what does that mean? So we're, we're going to explain it slowly. The Ram is going to spell it out slowly. But uh, basically what we're saying is that there is some kind of conscious being, but without the body, without the part of having a body. And we're going to get into more in Halacha He and Vav, then again more in Halacha Ches and Tes. Uh, do not have any form of body. They're just forms. They're just tsuris, and they're distinct from one another just in the fact that they are tsuris. Now, yesterday, when we spoke about uh, Hashem and Hashem not having a body, so the Ramam seemed to say that uh, without a body, things can't happen to you. Without things happening to you, then there's no distinction, so it's all one. Now we're saying that you have tsuris without bodies, so really the Ramam is going to ask on, on what we're saying here uh, regarding Malachim in Halacha Hay. So we'll see that soon. But that's what he's saying, that there's a tzur without a guf, and they're, and they're distinct from one another. So what is this that the Malachim, the Navim are saying? The prophets say that they did see uh, angels that were, that were fiery, that had wings, so it sounds like there is some kind of body. So the answer is, it's all, again, just like we said yesterday regarding certain parts of Hashem, that it's all uh, just a prophetic vision. So the same thing is for the appearance of the Malachim. It's all just a metaphor. And it's not something you would actually see in real life. It's just a special prophetic experience in which things may appear a certain way for, to make a certain point. Uh, Lamar, in fact, says, the reason why they appear as fire is actually the opposite. The reason why they appear as fire is to tell you that they aren't, uh, Bali Guf. They don't have bodies. The fire tells you that. When you see that it's fire, so then you know, oh, there's no body. And there's no heaviness, there's no weight. A real body would have weight to it. Fire, even though Ram doesn't seem to be saying that Malachim are even fire, he's saying it's all part of the, uh, the mashal, but at least fire doesn't have weight. So by seeing that the Malach in the vision has, is made out of fire, that tells you that it shares the, the trait of fire and that it doesn't have a body, doesn't have any weight at all. Amar, the Rambam brings it from Hashem now. It says, by Hashem, ki Hashem and Hashem is a consuming fire. And apparently there, it's already, we're already taking for granted that Hashem is certainly not that. So it must be a metaphor. So if you're already admitting that it's a metaphor for Hashem, what's the metaphor? That Hashem consumes things like fire, but not that he's actually a consuming fire. So, so uh, the, the same would uh, be true for the Malachim in these visions. And another Pasuk, the Pasuk can tell him, that uh, the Malachim are made out of wind and out of fire. Um, now, I don't think, I don't see that there's a raya here, I don't see this proof here, but I guess that I'm saying, just like we explained that Pasuk that way, we'll explain this Pasuk this way as well. 
Um, of course, this is not, uh, there's not a consensus about this, you know, not, not, not everyone agrees to the Rambam and Shainim and later Svarim. Chassidus always quotes the Ramban, there's a famous Ramban, where the Ramban says that they're, uh, uh, that they're Eish and Ruach, just like the Pasuk says. Uh, so as we're going to learn later in Parakdal about the four Yisaitis, so they're not the bottom two Yisaitis which are heavier, they're just the two lighter Yisaitis uh, elements of just fire and wind. So there is some kind of goof, but not a goof that we'd recognize as a goof. And um, in fact, I saw the Rebbe in a few places, uh, there's a lotion from the Rebbe about this. The Rebbe says that maybe even the Rambam would really agree to the Ramban. And maybe the Rambam's main point here was just to say that whatever the body is, it's nothing like any body, uh, any kind of body that we're familiar with. The Rebbe ends off, if we can, I guess, if we can fully reconcile the Rambam and the Ramban with each other or not. But that's what the Rambam says. So, ah, so that's the, que- the question we mentioned already before. If we're saying there are no bodies, so then nothing can happen to the bodies, so then what makes them distinct from one another? How are they separate? There's no bodies. So he answers, So we said before that they're, they're conscious beings. So a conscious being, there should be a tremendous variety of conscious beings. What uh, to... Every conscious being can be different. So it's actually not, not a question. Doesn't, Ramon doesn't actually ever get back to explaining what about yesterday? What did we say about Hashem? What was the proof about Hashem? That he doesn't get back to. But Grand Malachim, actually, they don't have to have bodies in order to be distinct because they're all, they're conscious. Their consciousness is all slightly different from each other. Their existence isn't the same. Each one is lower than the next. According to Ramon, it sounds like no two are exactly alike. Each one is lower than the next. And one exists uh, as a result of the other. So it's like a bit of a shtalshalus here. Each one uh, comes into existence from the next. One is above the next. And ultimately, they're all coming from Hashem, from Hashem's uh, energy, from Hashem's goodness. Hashem decides to emanate these malachim. And this is alluded to by Shlem and Kehelas. Uh, where it says, he's describing some kind of hierarchy where they think higher than the next, and Ramam is saying that this is referring to the hierarchy of Malachim. Now we just said that the Ramam really didn't spell it out too much at all. He just said there's a tsura and they're distinct, and one is higher, and one is lower. What does that mean? So the Ramam is slowly spelling it out. When we said that something is lower, we're not speaking spatially in terms of space. As if, you know, we say about a person, the one sitting literally higher than the next. That's not what we mean. But in the sense that we speak about two wise men and we say that one is wiser than the next. So we might say, that we might say that oh, this one's higher in his, in his wisdom than the next. So that's the sense of uh, high that we mean here. Another example that I'm going to give What's an ila? What's an ila? So, might be familiar with the Tuchsidis. Ila are terms that were used in time to be showing them for the idea of cause and effect, similar to Siba and Masubav. It looks like the Namam just used the terms ila and others use Siba and Masubav and Chsidis already. Chsidis makes a distinction that ila is more like one thing that emanates from the next, and Siba and is more like a separate cause and effect. Um, in any case, when Talk about an ila and an ol, something that causes another thing. We can say that one is higher than the next in the sense that it precedes it 
So that's what we mean with the malachim as well. When we say one is higher than the next, we don't mean in space. Zion, shinoi shemois hamalachim. Now, since we're speaking about how there are many different kinds of malachim, so that uh, fits right into the idea that there are many different types of malachim with many different names. When we see different names of Malachim, that connects to this idea that there are many levels of Malachim. And that's why they're called, now that Alam lists all ten names, the Chayas are the highest, sometimes called Elikim, we say Elikim, the Torah, sometimes if you say it means Malachim, sometimes sons of God mean Malachim, it's in that order. So, highest are the highest, and Ishim are the lowest. These ten names with which the Malachim are called, so it corresponds to the ten levels of Malachim. Each level got its own name. The highest level, beyond which there's no higher level, beyond Hashem himself, it's the tzuras, the tzuras, what can be said already in Lacha Gimel, we're calling them tzuras. So these forms, these malachim that are called chayas. That's why it says in the prophecy that they're below the chair. What does that mean? So we're talking about the vision of Yechaskel, the beginning of Sefer Yechaskel, and it's a Haftarah, I believe on Shavuos, we, uh, we read this, this portion of Yechaskel. So Yechaskel describes this vision that he saw of these Malachim, describes the Chayas, mainly in great detail, and mentions the fire and the wings that the Namam cited earlier in Halacha Dal, the Malachim that the Nabiim say they saw Eish and Knafayim. So he describes that, he describes the Ephanim as well, and then he gets back to the Chayas, and he says, on top of the Chayas is a Rakia, there's a heaven, on top of the heaven there's a Tmus HaKisei, the image of a, of a throne, about Tmus HaKisei, Tmus Adam, on top of the throne there's the, the image of a throne, there's an image of a person. So, so if you say it the other way, that means that the Chayas are right below the Kisei. So that's what the, what is saying, what that means is, is that they're the highest, again, not in space, but in, in, in Mila, so they're, the highest, right below God Himself. And if you go to the other extreme, Maila Asinasi, the very last, the tenth one, that's Maila's Hatsura Shinikris Ishim. That's the, the level of the, the Tsura, the form that we call Ishim, the end of the list. Those are the Malachim that can actually interact with the, the Nevi'im. The Nevi'im are the highest level of man, they interact with the lowest uh, angels. And the, those are the angels that appear to them in their nevur. And that's actually why, that's how they got the name, Ishim. Because they share something in common with humanity, their uh, their mind, their knowledge has something in common with man's knowledge, so that's why those malachim got that name. And all these tzuras, all these forms, they are all alive, in a, in a sense, in a certain sense, and they are, they're conscious and they recognize the creator. Really what we said before, and Ramah is spelling it out now fully and clearly. And the, the, the level of knowledge they have of God is in a very, very high level. Each one according to its level. But all that is like a fi god But none of that is actually according to the true greatness of Hashem. No one can actually, uh, be massive that, to grasp that. Just like we grasp Hashem according to, uh, within our limitations, so the same is true even for the highest Malachim. And 
now this is going to be the segue to the next uh, to the next point. Uh, okay, as we've concluded, even the highest one can't uh, uh, grasp uh, the truth of Hashem the way He is, but rather it, it, it stops short. But it does understand more than the next level. The same is true for every level. Add mile series all the way down to the tenth. Even the tenth one still knows God on a level, the level of knowledge that no no human who is comprised of both goyim and sura, matter and form, would ever be able to grasp. So don't be dismissive of the ishim; they're still greater than the greatest human. And this is the last point here, is the segue to the next discussion, that none of them know Hashem the way Hashem knows Himself. And now we're going to move on to that point about how Hashem knows Himself. Everything that exists besides for the Creator, from the very highest, the very highest Malach. It's down to the lowliest creature, which we'll say is the small fly in the center of the earth. What they all have in common is that they are all created, they all exist due to Hashem's true existence. And because Hashem knows himself, and he knows his own greatness and his own glory and his own truth, truthfulness. So automatically, since everything comes from that, so so automatically he knows everything else in and there's nothing hidden from him. Uh, this can, this discussion can get uh, complicated when, once you start speaking about free choice, and that's going to be a separate discussion later at the end of the Sefer, uh, Sefer Ahmad and Hochis children. Here we're just going to talk about how how it uh, relates to Hashem Himself. So Allah Yud, the Ramam says, "Akash Baruch Hu Maker Amitay Ve'Yedaya Oisa Kamei Hashem knows His own truthfulness, and He knows it as it is. Any Yedaya Bedaya She Chutz Menu. And this is not some kind of outside knowledge. We all our knowledge is outside knowledge. We were born without that knowledge, and then over time it accumulates, and now we we learn something. Something uh, was added to our knowledge. What Hashem knows doesn't isn't external to him. The way we know things. Our us, we and our knowledge is not one. You can separate us from the knowledge and the knowledge from us. When it comes to Hashem, and his knowledge, whatever that knowledge is, the chayav and life in the sense that he's uh he's is something that uh, is also conscious in a way that we can't really understand. That is all one from every side and from every angle. Right? For us, life comes and goes. Knowledge comes and goes. That's not the case for Hashem. And this seems to, sometimes Omali can mean positive or negative. Here it seems to be a positive. Because if you were to live life as we live it, and to know knowledge as we know it. What that would mean, what that would spell would be, that would end up meaning that there is multiple parts to God. Who? There's he, and there's his life, and there's his knowledge, and they can all be separated from each other because he lives as we live. And the, the, the life is acquired, or he knows as we know. The knowledge is acquired, so we can separate it. Um... That's almost the uh, the Christians have a concept of Trinity, where there's three and it's one. 
Chas v'shalom, we don't want to say that. And if we said this, it would end up being sort of a, a three that's one. Right? We don't speak, we don't speak of, of ourselves as three, even though we can separate us and our life and our knowledge. But you could separate, you could break it down into components. So that's what we're saying about Hashem. That, uh, if you were able to break it down into components, so even if you have all three, it would be a three that's a one. And, but we don't want to say that either for, uh, for because of psukim or because of logic. We don't want to say that. If we don't want to say that, so then we have to say that it's all completely one in a manner that can't be separated whatsoever. So So what you end up saying is, Also a three, here it's within knowledge itself. He's the one who, who knows, and he's the one who's known, and he's the knowledge itself. It's all one. Of course, this should be very familiar from Tanya. This is quoted in Tanya and Perak Bey's actually in the name of the Rambam, where the context there is about the Neshamas, and the Neshamas Yisrael Obu Machshava, that all the Jewish souls have derived from Hashem's thought, from Hashem's Chachma, and that Chachma is one with Hashem. The Alter Rebbe says, like the Rambam said, that and the Alter Rebbe says, it's not something, something we can understand, as the Rambam is about to say. The Alter Rebbe also mentions that that uh, the, the sages of Kabbalah also agree, like the Pardis and the Ramak, and according to the Arizal, it's also true when you speak about Atsilos, but not higher than Atsilos. That's the whole discussion in Tanya and other places in Tanya. So that's all from here. So this is a very fundamental parak with uh, some very fundamental ideas. And now the Taka continues, as if a Amre, it's not really something you can actually uh, comfortably state as a logical statement, it's not something you can really grasp with our ears, not something a person can can grasp with his heart. In general, the Ramah always uses lev to represent a person's mind. Uh, so there's not something that you can say or hear or, or grasp. And that's something similar to what we said yesterday uh, regarding um, that Hashem doesn't have a goof. That sometimes due to uh, certain, either, again, either for religious reasons or for logical reasons, sometimes we end up having to say that something is true, even though we don't understand. And if we said the opposite, that uh, we rather say it a different way, in a way that we do understand, that would cause all kinds of other problems. So that's why we have to say that this is true and admit that it's not something that we could really ever understand and grasp, but we have to say that this must be the case. Now that I'm being interesting, Raya, to this idea about Hashem and his Chaim and his day all being one, he brings the Raya like the life, the Chaim. It says in, in Tanakh, when a person wants to swear, he swears by the life of himself or someone great like Paray, or by the person he's talking to, or by Hashem. So when you swear by Paray's life, in Bresh it says, Chay Paray. The life of Pare. I swear by the life of Pare. Or the Nafshukha. I swear by the life of you, your life. The Ain Aimrim, when you swear by Hashem, you don't say Chay Hashem, the life of Hashem, El Chay Hashem. The way Hashem, I swear, as Hashem lives, I swear such and such. What's the distinction here? Shein Abayd of a Chay of Shnayim. Because when it comes to a human being, you can distinguish between him and his life, the life of so-and-so. Or Hashem, you can't say the life of Hashem because they're not distinct. The way the life of a, of a live body is, or even like the Malachim. Tana Adram didn't really get into how this works out with the Malachim. And we saw, we've seen before that sometimes the way he describes Malachim ends up sounding similar to Hashem compared to people. Or the other way around, some of the people compared to Hashem, but here Derech Agav, the Rambam says that also the Chaim, whatever the life of Malachim is, it can be distinguished. You can 
separated from the Malach itself. Doesn't doesn't explain more. So that being the case, and with this proof in mind from how we speak about uh, how we swear in the life of Hashem versus people in Tanakh, so back to the point we were saying in Halachatas that therefore when he when we say that he he knows uh, the creatures, the creations, um, he doesn't know them. He doesn't know them as an outside thing, as an external thing, the way I know you because you exist and you come into my uh, uh, my orbit. No, not because of them. Which is the way we know things. He knows them by knowing himself. So by knowing himself. So he automatically knows everything. Because everything in its existence is... Uh, Basically, coming out of Hashem's existence. Uh, so that is uh, the conclusion, really, of that discussion. Now that I'm just ends off. The topics we discussed in these first two programs. It's really just a drop out of the sea of what we can really discuss. And explaining all these ideas—that's my summer cover. So again, the Ram is being careful to say that. What we learned maybe not, may not constitute Maeser Merkava per se. We sort of learned the topics that are in Maeser Merkava. If you learn the explanation, that would be Maeser Merkava. Chacham said you shouldn't teach this except to one person at a time. This is in Gemara Mishnah and Gemara Chagiga. The Mishnah talks about how you can't teach this to that, you know, different things to different people, one or two or three. Um, and that one person also has to can't just be any one person. He has to be an intelligent person, somebody who can understand it on his own. Meaning in the beginning, I guess, uh, once you establish he's such a person, then even then we only explain the basics, the the the, the major points. We explain just a tiny bit. And he on his own is able to figure out the rest. It's interesting, it's not clear if what Ram just said that we just learned also just a little bit, and if you understand more, that's Maisa Merkava. It's not clear if that's the same Rashi Prakim that Ram says the Chacham said to only teach the, the Chacham, not anyone. Dvarim Elu, and these things, uh, so now he's saying it in, in the negative sense. It's only for the wise, and it's not. It's very deep, and not anyone can understand them. He says this idea, there's these two words, we're not gonna, just gonna quote the Chazal, according to Gemara Chagiga in this context, Gemara says, things that are kvasim, kivshayna, things that are secret, the secrets of the world, they should be for you, for you don't just speak about them in public. another pasuk, this is not in that Gemara, but he's showing it too. It's elsewhere in Gemara in a similar way. It should be just for you, not for, for strangers. This is also from Gemara that milk and honey is under your tongue. The early sages in Gemara Chagiga say, things that are special, like milk and honey, should stay under your tongue. It's not just to be broadcast. And Peregrine will continue with Teva. Yeah.